0: But no, That's let good. me um let me send you this uh I'm gonna send you this Tesla cold call. It's really cool. So it's getting a lot of I think it's really interesting as well for something for us to talk about. Because basically what they do is Tesla have got this um here it is. Oh you can. It looks like you can.
1: Yeah, 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 I can.
0: So check that out for a second.
1: Wow, this is cool. <laughs> I didn't know they do they do this yet. This yeah. is Tesla they, Tesla created this. Uh
0: I'm not sure who created it. I'm, I'm sure Tesla didn't necessarily air AI.
1: air AI, it's just a it's just a specific tool. Jesus. Yeah, air AI. <laughs> okay, because that's funny, because my my whole point is, is that I can automate pretty much anything up until uh, conversations like uh, if you do if i do uh, contract recruitment usually i don't really need to talk to the contractor if i don't want to so that side can be automated but if you if you're looking at the client side all, a client always wants to talk to someone right uh, yeah you're never going to do a sale unless you talk to someone so that's the only thing that can't be automated
0: yeah well <laughs> if you can automate that that's fine so th- th- that sales call um some people are super impressed with it, and some people are like um like I had I a few days ago I-, I released an episode, I think it might've been yesterday actually, I can't remember. But um I had the guys from uh we have a meeting on, so they're like prospecting experts, sales experts. Um yep. and Jack Frimston uh, commented on that on the post that was going viral, like this is an absolutely horrendous cold call. Uh or oh, just it call it called general.
1: But the fact that it that's it's it is already this good means that it'll be awesome in two years.
0: inferior. Yeah. Inferior. Like, it's gonna get worse.
1: Well the thing is these have been around for ages though this isn't new so well it's it's new that that you can actually talk to an AI and that it sounds sort of that, that you can you, you can have a proper f- phone call with the AI that's something that's relatively new right you could have like a, a like a voice call going on with the customer service but that's not really the same
0: yeah so cuz cuz that call that AI, AI Tesla call so it is a like it is a sales call but it's an it, what it is it's basically someone who's um they've already expressed an interest or i think they like mm-hmm. i think they booked a test drive or we're going to book a test drive or something so it's not like he's it, it, the guy was already ready to to buy do you know what i mean he was always going to he just needed someone to call him so in that situation yeah. i think it's like really useful because obviously you're just saving loads of time and you know as long as a person can speak they're probably going to close them on it because the the guy if you listen to the course um He's super interested in, in Tesla. His friends have all got Tesla's or something. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm already warm. Want to to Tesla. Yeah. he's yeah, so warm, but, yeah, but yeah, the fact sure.
1: that, there's, that there's a flowing conversation going on already means a lot. And I'm like, if you crack this code, uh, you can do thousands of sales calls at the same time. So somebody's going to try and, and crack this code because if they do, they're going to make a shit ton of money. So there's going to be people doing this in the next few years.
0: But here's what's gonna be interesting, right? So someone made a really good point. I'd be curious to get your your thoughts on this actually. So are we gonna get to a point quite quickly then where by law, these automation, these AI robots, cold call robots, whatever you wanna call them, are they gonna have to stay at the start of the call? By the way, by law, I have to disclose that I am not a human, I am a robot. Would you like to hang up now or would you like to continue the conversation? Because surely like, being a human, and I had this conversation with um someone else on the podcast a few weeks ago. Like there is a human element to things, right? And then if you find out the person you've been speaking to isn't actually a person, you actually feel quite conned a lot of the time. Like yep. art's a really good example, okay? So if I said to, if I gave you this painting and I was like and you were like, This is an absolutely amazing painting, I want I'll pay a hundred thousand pounds for it, right? And then you find out it was generated on, on AI in, in 20 seconds you might feel a bit different about our paying now because not someone's not put that time and effort on. Like there's a big difference between an artist spending a year on a painting and you buying it and me knocking something up for a fiver and selling it onto you or whatever.
1: Yeah. But what, what, what is the difference of some, it's the input that someone gives to it, right? But there's also the story. So the reason you're going to do business with me in the end is because of my story, uh, I can, I can automate the story. Right? So I think in, in a few years, we're going to go to a point where we see a lot more automation, but then eventually you're going to, you're going to have legislation that says, Hey, you need to disclose that you're a robot when you start. Of course.
0: Yeah. And is that then going to make stuff like this really ineffective because people, you know, half of the, the half of the battle and the skill with cold calling is a lot of people won't hang up on you because they feel emotionally connected to you as a fellow human and they don't want to like, you know, it's very compl- complicated, obviously, but, you know, some people won't hang up on people because they feel bad for the person, because they're like, I don't hurt their feelings, I yeah. will listen to what they have to say, maybe they've got a family to feed, et cetera, et cetera. But if that person called you and was like, hello, I am a robot from Tesla, um, and then you're just like, oh, fuck off, and you just put the phone down and you just won't care, will you, because it's a robot,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, when when you have to disclose your robot at the start, nobody's going to answer your calls for sure. So there's going to be like a small window in which this actually works really well and we get legislation. And in that time, you can make a lot of money.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. You're, you're, you're certainly right. There's going to be, you know, there's always a lag period of like something comes out, there's a golden period of it working really well and you can make hay while the sun's shining. How big that window is going to mm-hmm. be? It could be weeks, months, years. I don't know. But then it What's going to happen after? Do we do we then have a situation where it's it's not too dissimilar to like um what's going on with automation software for LinkedIn at the moment, right? So everyone was like, and I, I'm I'm going through this at the moment because I signed up to an automation software about two months ago, and which as one? you can probably imagine, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. I've got my messaging sequence which I know works um, for emails. I haven't automated my email stuff because I like to personalize stuff, but I'll just get it pumped out on LinkedIn, pump it out on LinkedIn. And it's doing it all for me, right? Yeah. And um, it's not worked at all. And I was like, oh, I thought, I thought I'd thought i be getting like five meetings a day sort of thing. Um, but then yeah. there's like, there's a deeper level to it because obviously everyone's using automation now. So everyone knows that it's automation or or they assume. I wrote a manual message to someone the other day. Like literally I wrote it. And he come back saying, "Oh, is this an automated message, David? I'm going to ignore you." And I was just like, "No, I wrote this. No, I, no, sorry, I wrote this." And now everyone's assuming that the, the manual stuff. So this is this is the this is, this is this is where it's going to get really interesting over the next few years with messaging yeah, yeah. and cold calling and stuff.
1: That's true. Yeah, we, we should look into your flows, man. Like it, it does work, but it's it's all part. It's all down to segmentation of your lists. You have to niche it down really far. That that that'll help.
0: Yeah. Well, this, this is the thing. There's a skill to it. It's, it's everyone thinks that automation's yeah, easy. It's just, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire. I've got an automation messaging system. You know, I can go on holiday now for six I, months. I,
1: I, I used to always allow uh, clients of mine to, uh, to create the lists that actually went into the automation systems, but they're not allowed to create lists anymore because the, the lists need to be niched down so far that we can create custom messages that it feels like you're sending them a personal message. And uh, it just takes, it really, it really takes a lot of time. So you don't do automation because you want to save time. Yeah, of course you do. If, you, if you're if you connecting two tools, you're saving time. But if you're talking about doing outreach, like sending messages, it's more, at least on LinkedIn, it's more about structuring it, m- making it predictable. Knowing, hey, we have to spend a lot of time up front. And after that, we'll know we'll get X percentage of uh, of meetings and then just letting it run. But it still takes a lot of time
0: yeah and also it take you need to know your market you need to know your icp and all that kind of stuff this is all stuff that i'm learning at the moment because again and it hasn't worked by the way i i've it really hasn't worked it's worked great with growing my connection and starting conversations and that sort of stuff and then i take over as a human but in terms of like just automating the process and just trying to book meetings it, it the more i've looked into it like um who was it i was uh saw the other day um an account executive called Julia Carter. She's she's coming on as well, um, on the on the podcast in a few weeks. But she's um she's had some really great success with emails and what she does is she doesn't actually personalise her emails per email but she creates such a targeted list that yeah. she creates an email that's relevant to all of them. So though she's not spending that time yep. per email like you were saying her list is so targeted that all those people she doesn't need to personalize
1: each email because they were relevant yeah. it's it's the same as in uh as when we do when we do job leads automations like we also send emails for clients right and we usually we do one scrape but then we segment it down to like four or five different email flows and to give you an example what we do is uh, if you if you have data engineers for uh smb businesses maybe up to 60 people in size what we'll do is we'll make an a email flow specific to them, to that size of business. And then that email flow will say, hey, we know as a growing company, a growing IT firm, it's very hard to get data engineers because Google is willing to pay double for the same type of quality. Mm-hmm. So to, in order to get the right corporate, you need to get them early in their career. We can help you with that. So then you're naming a specific issue that you know that probably 90 plus percent of these type of businesses will have. And then they'll react to that. And then, so if I do one script for a data engineer, I could have maybe four or five different email flows running that, that names the problem that's specific to their business mm. that works.
0: Yeah. It's all, it's all super them. interesting, super, yeah. it's, good. it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how things grow. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, and I it feel isn't... like, I feel like it's never going to solve. Like we're never going to get to a point where, it, you know, you can just print money because it's because everyone picks, Picks up trends. Like once you're using it, it probably means like like thousands of others are using it, which means it's no longer special. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 a really fascinating time we live in in the sales world as well, and the, and the and the recruitment world because um, we've got all this tech. Nobody really knows how to use it properly, and everyone's just sort of trying shit out. A lot of it is like I know I, I've I've heard some horror stories. Um, I was speaking to someone the other day and they accidentally, they set up like a sequence. I won't name their name, but they set up a sequence. And- um, You
1: know who you you are.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know who you are. And uh, they basically, um, they were doing it on behalf of their CEO. Yeah. Uh, So they set up this sequence and they pressed the button and the sequence started, but they did something wrong in the settings because it just started sending out like the wrong message to 600 people. And they didn't know how to stop the sequence, so I was talking to them, and they were literally, literally talking to me, and they were like, "I'm really stressed out," and I'm like, "Why?" And they go, "I'm watching this sequence go out, and I don't know how to turn it off because it started now." So, um, yeah, there's certainly a
1: a, a skill to it. If 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 you're ever in dire need, send send me a DM. I'll help you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So on on that note, Cass. So look, thanks so much for coming on. Um, Can you just give us a for people who don't know who you are can you just give us an overview of like who you are what you're doing at the moment because i know you're, you're you're involved in quite a few projects and founder of a few yep. projects and stuff so just give us an overview of what you
1: do and what you are cool uh my name is cas uh, for english listeners cash without the h cas uh i'm 33 living in amsterdam uh wife and kid uh, enjoying life uh i started uh, to go to, all, to go all the way back to the beginning uh, I started uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs start I think uh, in uh, middle school and high school uh, being fully ADHD and tuning out all the time not really spe- uh, spending any time which gave me a lot of uh, crap in school you know uh, you need to you need to get your grades and I wasn't getting them although the, the brains were there but I wasn't ju- I wasn't doing anything mm. and then I Luckily found competitive sailing uh, when I was about 14 years old, uh, and I, uh, which was awesome because it really gave me a purpose in life. And as uh, ADHD people know, when we have a purpose, we can go out and we can go, we can go out and get it. So uh, I, from the, from my 14th until my 20, 22nd, I've done a lot of competitive sailing, a lot of world championships, European championships. I was a national junior champion, champion so I uh, did a lot of sailing with gold medalists uh, of, of the Olympics, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and it really gave me a purpose in high school. So because, of, because I wanted to do sailing, that, that gave me the drive to also finish school. So it really helped me there, uh, which was a lot of fun. And then when I was 22, um you go out and you start studying because sailing is not a sport where you uh make a lot of money so all mm. most sailors all, unless you're at the top of the top of the top and going for olympics usually you also have to study or you have to work next to it so i went to college but when you go to college you also like drinking beer right uh so eventually uh i got to a point where i wanted to drink beer more badly than uh than i wanted to sell also having done a few uh, more than a few days of being really hung over and sailing after, which is really crap because then you have sailmates who want to push and then you're hung over as as shit, so that's really bad <laughs> yeah uh, so eventually eventually I had to stop that and then I took on the the fraternity life for a few years, I had a lot of fun uh, finished my college um, and after that, uh, I needed to get to work um, and i actually I studied sport management uh, because uh, my idea always was. If I can't be the top athlete, then I'll be their manager and then I'm mm. still the boss, right? Logical. But the issue with sports is that it's although it's a lot of fun to to learn business through sports, uh, the sports uh, industry in general is very much event focused or sponsorship focused. So either you you have to be an event planner or at the other end like a football broker, which I didn't want to be right so or you're working for an international uh, for the International Sailing Federation. And that's not really, that's more of a project management function. So if you're looking for somewhere to where you can really use your brain in the in the way that is wired, like me with my ADHD, mm. you know, the sports, uh, uh, industry wasn't really good for me. So I, w- I really wanted to find something else. And then if you don't know what you're doing and you have a lot of energy, usually you do sales, right? So uh, I actually came to a recruiter and he said, hey, why don't you, uh, do you want to be in sales? I was like, yeah, I'll be an account manager, that's fun. And he's like, but I think you're bored pretty quickly, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm bored pretty quickly. It's like, if you sell the same product every day, that's gonna get pretty boring, right? Like, probably, but we'll find out. And he's like, if you sell people, then it's different every day. So you have to be a recruiter. And I was like, why not? Let's do recruiting. And that actually brought me to Robert Walters, which you probably know, a global finance firm, uh, which is very old school, uh, always suit and tie to work type of uh, deal. Uh, I worked there for three years, uh, went up the ranks and I actually started the whole new di- healthcare division, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but it's also very rigid, right? So it's uh, you do it in this way, uh, you do this many cold calls a week, uh, you come, you, you take a suit and tie to work. And mm. as you can probably see, that's not really my style in the end. Uh, so I, ke- I kept wanting to do new things, wanted to innovate over there. I said, Hey, we have opportunities here. Let's do this. But there's not really room in a, in a large business like that for a lot of innovation. You just have to get on and do the work. Uh, so eventually it was time to part ways. Uh, after that, I've done a little traveling. So you said you like traveling. Uh, I've, I've always traveled with my girlfriend, but also alone. And after that, we actually went to Australia. I don't know if you've ever been.
0: I actually haven't been to Australia. No, I was meant to um in twenty fifteen. So I went on a um I went to Asia, like Southeast Asia on my own.
1: Yeah, and um
0: cool. yeah, literally just my backpack and landed in Bangkok and I was just like, What happens now sort of thing? And I was actually planning oh. on going to Australia afterwards, but um I think I started running out of money like three months in. <laughs> I think I, I think I overspent massively in Asia and I got to the point yeah. where I was like, I don't have enough time like if i'd would gone to australia i would have had to get a job straight away and i was like what's the point mm-hmm. in that so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just i just went home um after like three months but yeah and I, I really i really would love to go to australia where did you go then in, in australia uh,
1: we did yeah we did the old school east coast thing so i we went uh from sydney all the way up to cairns and then back down again uh which with my girlfriend with a van which was a lot of fun and uh, it was actually the only country i've ever been to where we, we were when we were walking around in uh i thought it was um uh brisbane which is halfway up we were like mm-hmm. we could move, we could move here tomorrow and we'd have a great life or in sydney or whatever the vibe is just awesome there it's just the uk or south africa but then with nice weather it's so good yeah
0: no it, seems, so it seems really cool like um i think melbourne because i was i was actually looking to move there actually I just remembered because i was looking to move I, I got to a point in, like, 2017 where I was so sick of the UK and, like, the weather that I mm-hmm. really, like, I actively started looking um, to move abroad. And recruitment, one of the reasons I got into recruitment was I heard that you can sort of move around the world with it because it's such an in-demand skill set. And I was trying yeah, to move yeah. to, um, uh, I think I zoned it down to LA, Sydney. Um, yeah, I think it was, like, LA Sydney, LA, and Sydney. Um mm-hmm. But the the visa laws changed. But I've I've apart from the like how expensive it is, I've heard it's like absolutely awesome.
1: It's awesome if you love the outdoor life. uh, You know, on the weekends, go out camping, uh, ride a motorbike, ride a mountain bike around, hiking. It's so good. Yeah,
0: it's it's really interesting actually because one of my friends, he um, he's sort of like he's like a nomad. He just he's like I think he's like almost forty now. He might be. Yeah, shit, he's almost forty. But yeah. he just he's like one of those dudes who's just like lives life in the present, like no interest in the career. Um lives now like he's like twenty-two. And he was telling me about the culture in not so much Australia, but it sounds similar, but in New Zealand. I don't know if you've been yeah. to New
1: Zealand. No, it was high on the list. We were gonna go and then corona hit, and then we got a corona baby, like everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um lots of those bouncing around but yeah yeah he was telling me how like the culture is so different because he's from london and he was saying to me how um everyone just like they don't necessarily judge you on your materials or like what you own or how big your house is it's, it's more like where have you traveled or what do you do on the weekends or what hikes have you been and it's such like a uh, well he i from the sounds of it, I, I really agree as well, but it, it's such a, like a happier and more healthy way to live.
1: Yeah. I met a lot of happy people in Australia, locals, just happy people enjoying life. It's awesome.
0: So what were you doing? Yeah. Like you, you had a van, you said you are just driving around.
1: Yeah. Van drive around, uh, camp and then do fun, fun stuff. Yeah. What do you do when you're in Australia? You, you drink, sometimes you hike, you do surf, uh, The coolest thing we did actually was we went to a a friend of Elena's, my girlfriend, she was, uh, she lived on a farm, but like in full outback farm, it was like 200 kilometers inland and we went there and it was so there was no tourists at all and it was just, it was uh, an hour on a dirt road just to get there and then you came there and it was like one of the biggest farms in the regions and uh, it was just a meditative meditative experience, right? So you you just turn off your engine, it was quiet. And all we had there were cows and a few people and that's it well it's it's just like desert sort of thing desert yeah yeah full-blown desert and we got there and then and then the the, the guy was like hey uh, we have a warthog here that uh that was uh, caught by dingo so he's uh, traveling he's uh, limping around somewhere so we have to shoot the the warthog you want to join we're like yeah sure so then we shot a warthog
0: (laughs) at least we didn't but another guy
1: did it was like full full farm business daily business like hey we have to shoot a far- uh, warthog come and join have fun
0: what so was it like uh like a house on a ranch and then just not this is nothing else
1: yeah for like an hour straight of driving at 60 kilometers an hour nothing complete nothing
0: that's fucking crazy it's crazy how oh, some cool people way. live right like especially in australia because you've got the um uh the aborigines the yeah. uh they live in i think the bush is it is it called i'm, I'm very yeah. limited I, I got a lot of my uh knowledge of australia from like crocodile dundee and stuff but um yeah
1: that's cool.
0: yeah it sounds really awesome dude so 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 okay. and were you like staying in hostels or
1: like no, the, in van? The, van. In the van just the van. In the van yeah that sounds awesome that's so much fun it's so much fun but then uh uh yeah t- before we spend our whole, uh, whole time on traveling, because I, I like it. We'll talk about that later. Uh, so then, so then I came back and then I actually just uh, from then until now, I actually just keep on trying to do what my brain is good at and what my brain likes is seeing a situation and then trying to find a better way to do it and then implement that solution and then move on to the next thing. So first I, I was part of, uh, three companies back to back. And I, was, I really had a free role, free, free role in every one of those businesses. They were all recruitment focused. And then they would just come to me with issues saying, hey, we don't have enough candidates. Can you look mm. into ways to getting more candidates? Or hey, we need more, we need more sales, can you do sales? And then it always started with, hey, we, we need an extra account manager. Can you be that for the next three months? I was like, okay, that's fine. But rather than just be the account manager, I was like, how can we make this better and quicker? So how can we uh, implement a CRM mm. system? How can we set up email cadences? How can we get more meetings? How can we use LinkedIn automation to do it? And that's really just a rabbit hole that I've been falling down for five years now, getting further and further in, just looking into uh, recruitment processes, automation, and just looking at businesses now as a consultant, and just looking, hey, what, what are your issues? Why? How can we solve those issues and sometimes that's an easy fix so just say you need to use LinkedIn automation or you need to be using ads because your specific uh, candidate a uh, group or your talent pool is online and just run ads and you'll be fine and sometimes we have to implement a whole tech stack saying hey you need a new applicant tracking system or you need one because actually a lot of recruitment firms don't have an applicant tracking system so they don't have multi posting possibilities or anything. And then if you implement an ATS system, you need to connect that to your CRM system. So you're actually doing something with the leads you're getting in. You need to set up, uh, you know, uh, landing pages, uh, getting people's emails, et etc. et cetera. So it really differs for sometimes we're just running a few ads for companies to help them get more candidates. And sometimes mm. we have to implement a whole tech stack and do and also do all of the content. So, uh, so
0: how would you like summarize what you've been doing the last few years? Because um, obviously we've discussed this, but. If anyone looks at your LinkedIn page, it looks like you've been involved with quite a lot of things, right, the last few years. So are, would you say you're sort of like a, um, so almost like an, a recruitment optimization consultant, like you you sort of solve problems, yeah. whether it's to do with technology or sometimes it could actually do, like, I know you actually, um, at least up until recently, you're actually doing recruitment, right, like hands-on recruitment for yeah. firms.
1: I'm still doing a, a little bit of part time IT recruitment, but that's just because I, I, I run it. But that's just a two person business. So I really run his uh, re- recruitment side and he runs the sales side and right. we, uh, we, split, we split the fee, but, uh, but what I, it's hard to put a name on it. But I, I, I used to call myself a recruitment growth hacker, but that really doesn't cover the whole load. But what I usually do is, you know, we, we come into a business, the business has an issue, then we run experiments. We evaluate those experiments, and then we move on to the next, all with a focus to get uh, either save time, get more candidates, or get more clients. Hmm. So, That's essentially what I do. So from a
0: business development perspective, then, like, how are you actually going out and winning these clients? Like, are you doing it through LinkedIn? Are you, like, email campaigns? Yeah, we, how, how would you actually do it?
1: That honestly depends on the business, that, that it, of course, that we're talking about. But what you what you would say is... You get to a business and they say, Hey, we need more clients. And then first you look at the current ways they they're getting their clients, which could be either word of mouth. Like we we've had a, we've had a banger of uh, economy for the last 10 years. Right? So most recruitment Mm -hmm. firms have just been going mouth to mouth to mouth and have actually had more than enough business to fill. Uh, now they have to really turn and have to do sales. So a lot of the firms, they're not doing any LinkedIn outreach. They're not doing any uh, email. They're not doing active referral ask, which is basic 101, right? Ask your good clients for referrals. So sometimes it's just really basic to say, hey, email all your best clients and ask for a referral. That's just point one, or look through your candidate databases to your candidates that are now possibly your clients. It actually just starts with that. Uh, But it also, uh, after that, we we have to implement whole systems. And that uh, usually amounts to uh, putting in a CRM system, Making sure cold email is set up Uh, get get leads for them from Apollo or any other uh, platform Uh, ensure that we email them with a proper interesting messages uh, messaging Uh, create a whole email cadence that doesn't just last like three messages but create something that will come back to them in three months time so that people are continuously activated uh, for your brand Uh, posting on LinkedIn doing LinkedIn automation. It's, you know, it's it's an all encompassing thing. You cannot just do one thing and then expect it to work. If you want to do mm-hmm. proper sales and recruitment, the, the sad story is there's no golden egg. Usually it's and do LinkedIn automation and we do email uh, cold outreach. We do email marketing to existing clients. We do events, we do ads, if that's relevant for the business, uh, it's all. And if you do it all, then leads start coming in because you might get, one lead a month from Google ads. You might get five leads a month from email. You might get five leads a month from LinkedIn. And then when Hmm. you bunch all of them together, then eventually you get to enough leads to fill your pipeline. But if you only do one thing and expect it to be the golden egg, it's never going to work.
0: Yeah, that's one of the main things problems I see because um, the amount of times I've been asked over the last six months, should I be doing emailing as well? Or should I be doing cold calling as well? Or should I be doing LinkedIn as well? It's like, no, do everything. Do everything as much All as you right. can because different people prefer to be contacted in different ways. And if you're yep. just trying to get hold of a, spe- a specific prospect on LinkedIn and they either don't like LinkedIn, they don't check their messages, you are you could be working with them already, but you've just been like lazy with your outreach or not um, varied yep. enough with your outreach. So yep. with, um like message sequences and cadences are a big thing at the moment. Like that's like one of the, the, the hot, hot things. And there's obviously a lot of tools and automation software out there. Um, How did you learn how to write good message cadences and put together good sequences? And then what, what does that look like? Like for people listening, if you could give a few tips around how they can actually do that.
1: Yeah. The, the way I learned was a lot of trial and error, to be honest. So I have wasted tens of thousands of cold emails on Crap, <laughs> to be honest, and eventually you see what people react to, and what what I really learned is, uh, and to give you a few examples, is you have to really niche. Sorry, uh, point one is have a good offer, and a good offer is not, hey, we have a salary survey like every other recruiter in the business. Do you want my salary survey? Sorry, that just doesn't cut it anymore. You need to give mm. them a reason to contact you, and that could either be a difference in the way you. You work uh, like you, uh, you, like you say, David, Hey, you, you have a really uh, specific way of working that will that gives a framework to allow people to bring something different to clients that could be a hook. What I propagate on my own email newsletter is that you could also change your whole business model, right? So you could create a community, you could create a job board because let's say you come to a client and, a, a, and he's been contacted by recruitment firms 10 times in the last week. And rather than say, hey, we're recruitment firm number 10, Please use us. You could say, Hey, I noticed you had this role open for four weeks. It's what quite hard to fare. And I understand you probably don't want to use a recruitment firm. We have a job board here that's specific to your niche. Mm. And for a hundred quid, we can actually put your job online. And in your area we have in our, in my database, I see that we have 200 people in your area that could be interesting to you. A hundred quid is probably enough of a gamble that he'll say, you know what, just do it. And then you have his email contacts. He likes you, you sold something to him. And then after that, if he doesn't get a reply or it doesn't work out, you can then say, hey, we also do recruitment services. So rather than just be a recruiter, you have to diversify now and really be a partner to your client. So just to summarize, one, you need a good offer. And the offer is not, hey, I can help you find people. I have 10 people in your area. Please hire me, because everybody does that. So that just doesn't cut the bill anymore. So find a way to be unique to you uh two then you need to be specific to their issue and their issues usually are when they need people to hire right and that could either be that you name a specific pain point so you use a job opening say hey i noticed you had a data engineer role open uh you know let's talk about it Uh, or it could be just in general saying hey uh I noticed that data engi- let's say you did your proper research and you know, he's a data engineering manager with at least 15 employees underneath him. Then you'd know, Hey, I know that for data engineering managers that have at least 10 people in their team, hiring is really an issue. And it's not just about finding one person. It's about finding a continual pipeline of data, data mm. engineers to be able to grow your team. We can help you with that. And then rather than just say, Hey, I want to be on an up person basis but you know try something different try and say hey you always have a few roles open let's make a deal for more roles in a different way rather than just say hey call me when you have a role so do something different again and then when you name a specific pain point he's having and that you understand his pain point then do a quick call to action say hey uh, i could help you out Uh, can can we get on a 10 minute would you be uh, willing to do a 10 minute call so i can explain myself and then if you do that in a non-salesy way, so just rather than spend uh, 30 hours optimizing the message, just write, just have the structure next to you and write it like you like, like you would say it. That's usually what my my thing is. So just type it out, and when I have the structure, I don't spend more than five minutes on an email because then it's going to look like I created it, uh, and I'm going to blasting it out to hundreds of, of people. It needs to feel like I wrote it for him, and so. It, You need to write it like it's for him. So, and how much time are you going to spend on an email? Maybe five minutes. So do it in five minutes. Take out the, the, take out if it's bad and then start again. And then after that, you have a very short email saying, Hey, this is what we do. Uh, try to make a difference. Make sure you have a pain point or, uh, something that acknowledges him and hook that knows, Hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then do a quick call to action.
0: So when it comes to personalizing emails, because you know I, I hear I hear and read such different things on this. Um, I saw one on LinkedIn the other day. So, some guy does like a five-five-five rule. So it's like five minutes researching, five minutes writing it, and then five minutes. I can't remember what the other thing was, but it was like it was yeah. like fifteen minutes per email basically. And you're sending um, well, like four an hour, and then they worked it out that yep. it, it can pay off really well. Um, are you personalizing or would you recommend personalizing every single email or is it better off to do, um, like what I mentioned earlier, like having a really small list and then having a personalized email that fits all those people. And then you just mass send it.
1: Yeah. Um, the, the all is always, it depends. And the reason it is, is that it depends on how large your target market is. Uh, I am very much in favor of niching down as a recruiter, because if you niche down, then you know what your target market is. And Mm. sometimes, perhaps, your target market will be 300 hiring managers for some reason. If that's your target market, don't do any automation. Just write personal emails, spend the time, and make sure you get to know people. But if you're in a niche, so let's say you do data managers in a subsidiary of Manchester, you know, and it's very small and then, you know, okay, I'm going to be the guy in this, then that's fine, do everything personal. But if you're going to go larger and say, hey, I want UK data managers between 30 and 50 employees, then spend a lot of time building out the lists and making sure they're fresh, they're good and that they're fully niched down and then create an email sequence that's unique to that specific ICP, ideal customer profile for people who don't know, and then Uh, blast email because the the only reason the goal you have to keep the goal in mind right and the goal is that the person that receives the email feels heard and doesn't feel like he's talking to a bot and if you can achieve that through automation that's awesome but if that's too much work because your target audience is very small just create a personal message why not do the 555 and just spend the time
0: so two two questions that i'm i'm really interested in so with regards to personalization that's obviously a word that gets thrown around a lot and a lot of people don't know what that really means like i saw one really rubbish one on linkedin the other day and it was like hey noticed you went to x school really interesting yes. to know that it's like fucking but so what, what what does that look like? Like how how would you if you were working in like a really tight niche market? Yeah. So say you've you've got like a really small market, and you you're you're able to spend that time of spending you know yeah. five minutes doing research and another five minutes writing email, etc. Yeah. Where
1: would you
0: um, go? Like would, would you look at their LinkedIn profile, their website? Would you look at Google News?
1: Like what would you do? I would. Uh, I would usually if I write my email myself. I look at the news of the business, so if there's any specific news that just came out to reference. And two, I would look at uh, their LinkedIn profile. Look if anything new uh, special pops up. For instance, he might have been in the role for only three months, so you can mm-hmm. reference that. And three, look at their job openings and say hey, how many jobs openings do they have. And if you if you look on the uh, on Indeed or LinkedIn, usually. Uh, companies forget to take their uh, roles offline meaning you can look back pretty far uh, 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 at past roles so then you can usually say hey I noticed you have you've had three data engineer roles open in the last three months uh, how's that going right so then you really reference something that's that's the that issue to him.
0: Right. Yeah. That's Cause right. I suppose then you could say, you know, are these relisted postings, are you struggling with this or are you yeah. having a problem with retention or is it just constant growth? But, um, is, is then, the key thing to show that you've actually spent time like digging a little bit?
1: Yeah. And either, either I, I have to spend, uh, I have to uh, show him that I've spent time digging or I reference something that's so specific to him, like saying, Hey, you're, I know your, uh, your problems are this, this, and this, that he'll be like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. So either spend the time researching what their issues are or just spend time researching for the email. Either one of those.
0: Okay. And then with regards to actually building the list, and again, I know it's it could be like a sort of it depends answer again, but I think it's really <laughs> important for people to understand. <laughs> I think it's really important for people to understand because um, a lot of people like they hear personalized. Someone will say to them, I'll oh, personalize your email or build a tight list. But that, you know, they don't know what that means. Is that five minutes? Is that two hours? I don't know. Like if you were like, yeah, I mean, if say you were like looking for data engineers for, you know, teams of like 20 to 50 in Amsterdam, for example, like how long is a good amount of time to spend on
1: that list realistically? Um, if the list is more than, than a thousand people in size that you're eventually going to email. I'd happily spend two to three hours on the list.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: No worries, like uh, the list is, is everything. For, for instance, we have also, perhaps we'll get to that later, but I've been busy with uh, creating a list of companies that have physical locations in the Netherlands because we have a specific recruitment offer that we'd like to give them. Uh, the, there are at least 500 companies that have more than five physical locations. I've, or if I also take in the time of like an Indian guy from Fiverr that's been doing the work, where we are up to eight hours on the list of which three to four are mine. Because I just want the total list of each business of every company that has five locations or more. And that's really hard to create. But once you have it, it's like a gold mine. So spend the time. Mm -hmm. That's usually funny enough where I spend most of my time with clients as well, is that I, I spend a lot of time on my lists because once I have the list and I know they're solid, then we can do automations we can do anything we want but we first need to have the list be proper
0: yeah i think that's um that's a common mistake i see and i've made it as well myself working with automation and that your list is you know you, you put up a search of like 2000 people on yeah, yeah. linkedin you pump that into your automation software yep the list is like yep. so varied that you can't really personalize it on like on mass, on scale.
1: What, what, for instance, happens as well is actually a thing I just thought of is, well, everybody know, everybody who links, linked, who knows LinkedIn, know that when you do a specific Boolean search, at in the beginning, you'll get people that are exactly within your Boolean search. But after a while, when when the people are actually done, what LinkedIn will do, it will actually broaden the search to make sure you keep on scrolling down the thing. So what happens is, if you do a LinkedIn automation, you say, hey, give me data engineering managers. Uh, between uh, 11 and 50 employees uh, in the uk uh, and you just have a list of 2500 people uh, don't put that list into linkedin automation and let it run because what happens is is after a while uh, after about 1500 as an example the data engineering manager actually done and then it will fill up backfill the other thousand with ran- sort of random people they'll be like hey why are you messaging me with this message so even if you do a linkedin automation each person goes through my eyes to check if the person is right for the, for the email, se- uh, LinkedIn sequence I'm creating. You just have to do the work. Yeah. That's
0: interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, that, I've made this, of course I've made this mistake before. And that's what everybody thinks. They think, Hey, it's automation. I'm just going to put in a few filters, copy, paste the URL, and then I'm going to do this for a while and then yeah. I'll see what comes in. And, and then here that, comes the well, money. Yeah, and then after it goes well for two weeks, and after that, the shit starts. Yeah. So you really have to spend the time. And and it's it's honestly not, it's not fun to do at all. So I understand that clients don't want to do it, but this is really where the magic happens. If you build the lists properly, then you're in business.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is one of my issues with, you know, I'm very vocal about it. No one's going to be surprised about what I'm going to say. But um, with the typical way that recruitment agencies are run you might have had this in your in your uh job with an agency i certainly did um where sometimes you're not given the time to do stuff like this and that's where the quality really falls down and this is where i think a lot of education needs to happen around the the time you spend on activities because typical recruitment contingent recruitment agency recruitment is so reactive and it's yeah. so short-sighted that if i was to say a few years ago when i got into recruitment that my manager would be like what are you doing today oh i'm just spending three hours building a list of like target people they'd be like no you need to do two hours on the phone today
1: yeah yeah, for sure and it's and the the, the biggest issue is that um I think you know as well. uh, You've been busy building your personal brand. Uh, I'm just starting, but uh, eventually, most of the added value for us will come from building a personal brand. Uh, But that's really a long game, and it's the same for recruiters. But no, there's not going to be a manager in the recruitment space that's going to say, "Hey, you just spend 10 hours a week building your personal brand, and then in three years, we're going to reap the benefits." Nobody's going to do it. But but if. If you if you and i are completely honest today uh each recruiter should use 10 hours a week to build personal brand and then in a few years you're gonna you're gonna be offloaded with sales like you you don't you're not going to be able to, to do any more sales because you've got enough people coming into you uh mm. to, asking you to, to help them but that's just not the reality of how business runs today you're just not going to do it
0: yeah it's it's an interesting one because it's like it's a double-edged sword because a lot of businesses they, they don't want their recruiters to build a strong personal brand anyway, because even though it will like could generate more revenue, they're so scared of that recruiter getting so well known that they will just get approached by another company, which is obviously a a whole other problem. But I think everyone, everyone should try and build a personal brand, no matter what they do really like on LinkedIn or within their Um, It doesn't even have to be on LinkedIn necessarily, but LinkedIn is obviously the most obvious place at the moment. And the reason being is it just gives you options and it gives you security. Like the way the economy is moving at the moment and obviously, you know, the war in Russia and all this other crap that's going on, God knows what's around the corner. Um, But it's so important to have this network because if you look at these like internal recruiters, you know, obviously all the talent acquisition people have been laid off in America and the UK. Um, the ones that bounce back so quickly are the ones that already have this mass network. They've got, you know, 15, 25, 35,000 followers. Um, all they have to do is put a post out. Hey, guys, available immediately. They have yep. six interviews that week. They've got a new job next week and they've probably got a pay rise. So yep. I think it's just so important as we, as because as, cause I think as well, I, I don't know what you think, but I feel like the way we work is going to change a lot in the next 10 years because of automation but also the whole rise of like the gig economy like you mentioned fiverr earlier and all these sort of websites where you can pick up freelance yeah. stuff and yeah
1: yeah it's going to change a lot and what, that's also why i'm very enthusiastic about creating new business models for recruitment such as creating a community uh, i I recently uh, finished a stint in the Netherlands with a company that's called community but with a queue and they do marketing roles like this and what they because marketers are usually a lot more project based right so they they either do they do a short stint somewhere or they're a photographer or they're uh, they're a graphic designer and they they'll they'll have different jobs next to each other so uh, the community is essentially a place for contracts to come together and just share information but it's also a job board. So people pay money to be able to access that community, and then they can see interesting jobs at Heineken or doesn't really matter what. And then uh, they can actually react to the posts. And what the funny thing is, is that these types of businesses, they, they're a job board, Uh, they're, they're a community that they they actually have to pay to be a part of, but they're also a recruitment firm, because Heineken will also come to us saying, Hey, uh, you had graphic designers last time, right? Yeah, we do, we really don't have the time to spend to select people. So can you just give us the, the best three? And you just, uh, you, you get a recruitment fee for that. So it's really a lot of ways to generate revenue other than just saying, hey, hire me to be a recruiter. So it's going to change a lot, especially in the mm. new economy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens over the next few years. But obviously, you're going to play a big part in that. So job leads, talk to us about job leads. What what does it do? Yeah. Like
1: so um uh, i i also buy into the indie hacker uh, productize your service uh mindset uh and the reason being is because i love automation so like i said i'm always trying to find ways to do things better and quicker and cheaper for myself and for clients and i've done a lot of business development in the last few years either by phone call or by email or by linkedin whatever but if if a, if a if a client needs money now or they say, "Hey we need to get business ready now or done uh, now, what do you do? You look at job listings because that's the only real pain point that allows you to see, hey, this business has an issue, I have a solution for that problem, and they're willing to pay money for it because they're willing to pay a salary so uh, we always look at the job listings as recruiters and then we try and find the hiring manager. And then we send them an email and then nine times out of 10, they don't respond. And then you have to send a hundred emails to get 10 replies. And then you get three meetings and then you get a job. That's awesome. But that takes up a lot of time because there are a lot of manual actions in between because you have to look at jobs. You have to find the, you have to go to LinkedIn, find the proper person to find. And it's just, it just takes too much time. And I, and then at one point I said, Hey, this should be, we should be able to automate part of this. So let's just try and find out. And then I really, at the beginning, I just started myself scraping jobs with uh, with the Phantom Buster or another scraping tool and then just yeah. filtering it, and just trying to do it in bulk. Um, that still takes up a lot of time yeah. and it's, it's annoying. And if you build a small scraper, I was just talking, I sent you a, a screenshot yesterday from someone that's doing, building their own scraper, right? And I did that as well, one and a half years ago, but the issue is it breaks a lot. Uh, LinkedIn doesn't like you scraping, um, even though you have. Maybe hundred job listings and let's say you're trying to get the engineering manager, you have a data engineer role again. What if you, if you, if there's a business that's below 50 pers- persons in size, you probably need to see the CEO or the founder, but if it's 10,000 in size, you don't even need to, you don't need the data engineering manager or the CTO because he doesn't even know that there's a role open. You probably need the data lead or something. So there's like, there's like a staffle in there, right? So you, you still, even though you have the job listings, if you want to pair that with contact data, you still have to spend all of the time filtering through it and saying, Hey, which in this business, in this specific business, who should I get? Should I get the CTO? Should I get the engineering manager, the CEO, the founder, Etc. And. That's what I essentially uh, first tried and build Tried tried to build with just a little bit of no code, which eventually failed miserably because it's just too hard to build with no code. It's too it's too uh, fragile. It doesn't work at all. So then I really uh, hired a developer to create job leads for uh, for me. And what we essentially do now is that we, we you have a business, so you have data engineer uh, again. We scrape data engineer roles from LinkedIn, Indeed, and Monster. uh, we filter those, so we actually, we have to filter out other recruitment firms, it consultancies, really anything you want filtered out. We have to filter that out after that we have to enrich the data. So we have company X here, but company X, we need to know how many employees they have, what industry they're in, uh, any other data, et cetera. So we have to go out and find, uh, find the, the data on that, which is actually quite hard because if you've put that into Google or into Apollo or into any other uh for uh, into any other database you don't always get a hit so you need to have like different ways of searching for data for that specific firm then when we have the data then you still need to find the contact and then mm. uh, when you have the and then when you have the contact uh when you when you've identified him then we need to enrich that contact as well um and we have an algorithm running for that because uh let's see let's say you're usually looking for a data data engineering manager in a medium-sized business um you could be named completely different within that business, right? Because everybody thinks of their own, uh, job title names. So mm-hmm. we actually scrape up to 15, uh, can, uh, 15 contacts from a company. And then we have that are within the niche, within the niche that we're fi- looking for, and then we actually have an algorithm that scores everything. And it says, okay, based on everything on location, on job description, the, the department that they're in and the department that they're running, this is most likely the hiring manager for this specific role and then we pair the data with the job, uh, job data, and then we have a whole database saying, hey, a co- a company X has a data engineer role, and this is the data manager, this is his LinkedIn, this is his name, this is his email, and then we can feed that into, a, uh, into an email system, or we do that for them. Uh, Point. so we actually allow people to scrape, so to create, I have to say, unique scrapes, because there are a lot of databases out there that pair contact data with job uh, postings, But that's always Mm. old because they try and scrape the whole internet. So we actually create proprietary scrapes for each of the companies that we work for. And also create a unique algorithm for each company's uh, company we work for, because for instance, some companies might just want the hiring manager, right? They don't always need the hiring manager. So we should discuss this. You have your own scrape that runs 24 seven and that supplies you with data. And then if you want, we can also do the outreach for you because of course, I've done uh, loads of that, so that's fine Mm. as well. Uh, so if you're if there if there's a company that's a little bit uh, less far ahead in the email journey to say I usually set it up for them and run it for them and sometimes people have already been using instantly they're already using whatever email tools to send emails then we just plug the data into their email uh, tool we help them uh, create uh, the uh, the messaging and then uh, it just runs and it keeps on running with, with the goal, usually to say, Hey, if you, if you like date, if you want to hire, if you're the guy that knows data engineers in Manchester, then every data ma- engineering manager in Manchester, when they have a role open, they'll know your name, they know what you do. So when they have issues hiring for the data manager, they know how to find you.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize you actually did. Um, You can actually do the outreach as well. So you can do like a done for you service essentially.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Cause not, not everybody, uh, not, not every company is, uh, is 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 ready to do all the emailing themselves actually a lot I, would of people most, I would say most
0: i would say most in so. fact i would say from what i've seen in the recruitment world it's it's very rare to find a recruiter or a recruitment agency it's even rarer to find a recruitment agency but that are like continuously trying to improve because i think one of the the main issues i see in In the recruitment world, and not just in the UK, in the US, I've seen it. I've seen it in like different countries, different continents. We, as an industry, we don't have the same level of like obsession with improvement like SaaS sales does. Like tech sales is so tech sales is always like five six years ahead of recruitment. Like cold calling, for example. You you can see there's so much good advice on LinkedIn nowadays about cold calling, how to structure a cold call, pattern interrupts, whatever. Um, recruiters, I don't think I think I've only ever come across a couple um, that are actually in our WhatsApp group that actually have looked at the what what works most recently in cold calling and what people what people are reacting most to and like data driven stuff. And it's the same yep. as with like. Like what you're talking about, like message cadences and looking into the data and how you structure an email nowadays. How many times, like, have you seen an email from a recruiter where it's just they all write the same thing? It's like everyone was trained by the same person 15 years ago. It's always yeah. like, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm just getting in touch because of blah. This is what we do. We're a IT recruitment specialist. We've got 25 yes. years combined experience, so I don't care really yeah,
1: sorry guys but that doesn't cut it cut it anymore and it's, it's 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 i don't i'm i'm not sure if this is an unpopular opinion but we are at least 10 years behind on sales and marketing yeah like what course. they do and, and their knowledge it's it's really ridiculous that's what that's also funny because if i let's say i have a funny story to tell like i work for a large firm as well and they are they're in 15 countries so they're they're a large, i think they have now they have, must have five hundred plus employees at the uh, at the moment, and they're sending out cold email in each different country. So I was having a discussion with them about uh, job leads and how it was running, and they said, "Yeah, our email delivery is not that high." I was like, "Okay, but why? You know, what what do you do? What email campaigns do you run?" And then he said, "Yeah, but we we uh, I said, how many emails do you send a day?' It's like three hundred from my account, three hundred from the other account, and then we have all different countries. They're also sending out a cold email, and it's like." but which domain do you use? He said, we're all using the same domain. It was like, I was like, but like, if you look at the knowledge now, if you're doing cold email, you should be doing 150 a day per, uh, per thing maximum. And for personal email on that uh, email domain, only 50 a day. And he's like, Whoa, that's we're we're way over. I was like, yeah, you have to set this up now. Like you're going to drop, you're going to be banned everywhere. Mm people just don't know. No they don't.
0: They don't I, I didn't I didn't, I only started learning about email deliverability at, um start of this year really because I was looking into like delivery rates and um I think I was just setting up my own domain and stuff for my website and I sort of came yeah. across it. And uh I might have been someone on LinkedIn actually but someone was talking about like their delivery rate was only like 15% and I was like what? Like I always assumed that you know 90% of my emails got to where i sent them and That's... you know occasionally they would get blocked or spammed but not often but i was talking to someone the other day and they paid uh, they're they're like a medium sized agency but they paid a consultant like a lot of money to come in and get their response rate from 10% to 60% yeah
1: it's ridiculous. Uh, if, if, any, if anyone's looking for good uh, information on email deliverability, uh, w- um, we're going to be, I think uh, David and I are going to be posting about this as well. But Twitter, Twitter is the place to be because those, those that's where all the sales and marketing guys are that do call outreach. So follow people on Twitter. Help. Who would you recommend to follow them? Um, I don't have anyone at the moment, but what I would do is I would type in demand gen or lead gen agency. Uh, on Twitter, and then you get a lot of guys that, that run Legion agencies and they do a lot of uh, posting about email deliverability. Mm. Or just type okay, in cool. email deliverability as a search term and you'll get, you'll get pretty far because there are people that do threads that, that specifically tell you on what to do and what you need to have in place to ensure that you have better email deliverability. Because if you have anything below 80%, you're done because if soon half of your emails are not going to find any, uh, you know, are not going to be able to, uh, not being sent anymore. And if Mm. you're unlucky, not even your cold emails, but your warm emails will come in spam as well. And then you're truly fucked.
0: Yeah, it happened to me recently, actually. Um, It wasn't, I don't think it was me, actually. It was someone sent, it it was a client that I'm working with and they replied to my email and their email went to my spam and I didn't see it. Yeah, that's so they had to message me on linkedin that's to say hey did you get my email a few days ago and i was like no and uh i said to them i was like you really need to look into that because if you're emailing someone who's already sent you an email and you're replying to it and it's going to spam something's you know seriously wrong there and that can really affect your bd
1: yep yeah yeah definitely so th- this um this is really my my bread and butter uh for my business that we Recruitment firms, generally, you know, they have an ATS system set up, they have their old ways, and now they have to explore new ways. So they have to get a CRM, they have to start running ads, they have to do equal email outreach, and they just really have no clue. So they, they don't even know where to start. And then we usually come in, you know, and start, start with a low hanging fruit, do one thing, get their email deliverability a bit up, you know, so that means that their cold emails are get, getting sent, uh, uh, they have a higher email deliverability. And then when they're when the low hanging fruits are gone, we implement the CRM, we ensure that all the leads are put into it, we set up lead gen, you know, and then it starts to roll. But most firms, like, if you have a 20 person firm, you're not going to have a mark, you're not going to have an all around growth hacker marketer that knows all of these things. It's just too no. expensive, right? You have, to, you have to get recruiters that need to do that need to be billable. That's yeah. what you that's what you do. So I understand like, it's, it's logical, but it's like, yeah, we're coming to a point now in the economy that you really need to get all of these things in place in order to, you know, to survive.
0: But I think a lot of agencies make this mistake in that when they're having problems, so, so many people at the moment this year are are struggling to bring on business, like any clients, book, not even bring on clients, book meetings. They're not getting any responses from their email. They're not getting any responses from their LinkedIn. They're spending all this money on automation software and they're using it horribly and then they say oh automation doesn't work um yeah. and uh they but what they do instead is rather than spending you know a couple of grand on someone to come in and like fix the actual problem which is email deliverability or how they're writing messages or how they're doing cold calls or whatever they'll go hire someone like a new consultant who's developed loads of business in their previous job um yeah. Like forty, fifty thousand, so they'll spend the money on them, and they'll be spending like you know three thousand, four thousand, five thousand a month on that consultant who may or may not deliver, but they won't bring in like a a consultant or do some training or something. I think it's mental because if you have rather than bringing in one potentially good consultant who who may or may not work out, who isn't going to train the others by the way, because they're going to be too busy doing their own thing. But and you've already got like ten consultants that are like, you know, hard working, they're doing okay. Why don't you just spend like, you know, three, four, five, ten K, whatever it is, to improve the ten consultants you've got. So turn those ten consultants from six out of ten to eight out of ten. And yeah. that alone will bring in like an extra couple a hundred thousand revenue at least. But just, I don't yeah. know why I don't know what it is. Like it's it goes back to the whole thing of like recruitment agencies generally being like they're so not invested in in developing they just want to hire and grow and it's all mindless
1: it's all bit it's often a bit too short uh short-sighted or short-term like hey we we know uh when we hire a consultant he's going to be uh, uh billable for x after uh, six months so let's just do that so we know we're going to get future revenue rather than just up the revenue that that you have and it's yeah it's interesting like i, I told you before the before we started like uh, i have a whole infrastructure mapped out to create an almost fully automated agency because i think if you started agency now from the ground up using all of these methods and um, you're going to get really far and uh, yes you can automate everything the issue is uh, the, the client side so if i would start an agency today i would sort of a, a contract agency because it's a lot more transactional with the candidates and you can actually also earn more money, but you know, rather than just doing, uh, if you do recruitment, so you need to coast someone into a new job, but it's way more emotional rather than with a contract. It's like, Hey, you have X experience. They need that. Let's do it. So that makes it easier to automate, but I can automate an agency up to 90, 95% and just leave the client contact as something that needs to be done. But all of it, meaning uh, WhatsApp communication, uh, you know, uh, uh candidates that are a good fit for the role, asking them to send their resume, uh, updated resume, introducing it to the client, setting up meetings, everything, everything can be automated. And if you do it that way around, so actually start fresh, then build it up in, in the, in the automated way. And then add people, I think you can, you can do two or three times more work with the same amount of people. Mm. It's ridiculous. Because all thing, anything a recruiter really needs to do in a day is talk to candidates, talk to clients, and anything else they do is fluff. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, you don't want that. You don't want that at all.
0: Yeah, so it's it. gonna be. What'll be interesting actually to see if 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 this is what happens in the in the future, because like, will we basically have? Automated agencies running on autopilot. And then you sort of have like supervisors, like who sort of monitor the systems and make sure things are, are doing what they're meant to be doing.
1: Yeah. So what we actually build now, and this is not a recruitment firm, but it's just to give you an idea. Um, so we, we're building a surface for companies with uh, more than five physical locations. And this is essentially what we do. So we do all of the recruit recruiting automated. It's then distributed to the specific location manager. There's a central person that actually takes care of if the candidates are spoken and if everything is done, but the whole flow of people that uh, apply to a specific role and then are actually introduced to the location managers, setting up meetings and signing contracts after everything is automated. And that's why, because a lot of these physical locations like retail retail companies they don't have money to have a central recruiter so they're just what they do is they spray and they pray and they hope that people go to come to them but there's a lot of issues with getting enough personnel in retail at the moment so that's why that system is going to work very well because they're like hey we want a a cheaper option than a recruiter but it needs to be as automated as possible using whatsapp and whatever and that's what we build Mm -hmm. so the the candidate side we're actually building now it's doable more than doable actually and this and this is also this is for blue collar retail work right so the, the the lower in the tree you get in terms of education the easier it is to automate stuff that's definitely true so if you're going to hire a data engineer he's going to want to talk to someone of course he's going to but if your mindset is we're going to automate everything and then we're going to inject a person at the point where it has the most value that's a whole different ballgame than people trying to call uh, uh, than a recruiter trying to call a data engineer all the time spending uh, five hours trying to get it done, you know, and then, and then you just, if you have, if you have 10 different assignments running at the same time, you're trying to call people, that's where all the fluff comes in. And what, mm. you, what do you do in there? Well, mostly nothing. But if you have all of those systems automated, you're more of a supervisor, like in the, in the company that we have with the physical locations, you just have a supervisor that supervises everything and injects himself when it's needed. Mm. That'll work. So we're building it. It's yeah
0: fun. it's exciting times man it's exciting times i was listening to um to a podcast the other day and it was there was this ai guy on there uh i think it was on the yeah it was on the Joe rogan um experience and um cool. the guy was saying how with the invention of like automation and ai and the way things are going with ChatGPT gpt and stuff what's really interesting actually is what they're seeing is because everyone sort of assumed that with ai and technology and stuff all the low skilled jobs would be replaced first but actually what they're seeing is it's actually the the knowledge workers that are being replaced because the yep. it's so much harder like 20 years ago we 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 didn't know what was going to happen with robots and stuff but what they're actually seeing is it's so much easier to replace knowledge workers developers software engineers that sort of thing um, yeah. then it is to actually have someone move a brick, you know, like a brick force. and, um,
1: just, yeah. Yeah. Think about it. Like if, if I have like, if, if I had, if I would have free roam of LinkedIn, so I, I could scrape anything I'd like, what I would do is I would continually fresh the database and there, there are companies that do this right. So there are people, there are companies that have up-to-date LinkedIn databases, uh, you, you go there, you have API or Zapier access. So you can just you know if if i have a role right now most ats systems already offer a possibility to analyze the role and then actually say which candidates are best for the role they're already they all have that already so what you do is you get as much as much of your niche into your uh, ats system and then do the matching send them a whatsapp or an email uh introduce candidates and then you're already done so it's Mm. already the the, the 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 infrastructure is already there. It's just filling it in and contact with uh, with the candidate through a chat GPT like uh, interface is still quite hard to do. We're, we're we're doing that now. So simple conversations are actually possible. But if you're going to m- more of a knowledge worker base and people are really have in depth questions about the role, that's still a little bit harder, but that's just another nut to crack. Like the, 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 need, the, the bricks that are needed to do this are already there.
0: So to end this podcast do you think or when do you think recruiters are going to be replaced by ai do you think it will ever happen
1: never but what will happen is that uh you're you're uh, i don't know if this is a uh, an english term as well but you're uh, 13 in a dozen we we'll say so you have 12 exits dozen and then 13 in a dozen is exactly the same as the other 12. any recruiter that does not uh, niche himself down or it goes it creates a personal brand uh, for themselves they're going to be gone because they're going to be people like me i, I don't want to start an automated recruitment firm it's more like uh, it's more of a game to me like i want to see how far i can get uh, but there are going to be people who, who will do this so if you have the vanilla type of agencies they're going to be automated vanilla type of agencies that are going to do the work quicker uh, than you can and probably better because you can actually tell people what you're going to do because it's all automated So they can send update emails. They can say, Hey, we have this many uh, candidates in in profiles." So actually the service sometimes becomes better if you're talking about process when it's automated. So if you don't segment yourself, if you don't, uh, if you don't, if you're not, if you don't have a personal brand, then in, in 10 years, you're going to have a big issue because people are going to buy brand. Mm -hmm. But recruiters are never going to be gone. They're going to be there, but they're going to be
0: like, um, in like 50 years. If, if people look back on recruitment agencies now and be like, wow, that's That's so, that's so old fashioned how they used to have
1: like humans doing everything. I, I can't even like, it's, we're, we're about the same age. Like I still know the old dial way of internet, right? So that you have to, that you have to call in through your landline. It's like, boom, 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 boom. So I was thinking, I was telling my girlfriend the other day, I was like, I'm going to tell my kid when he's 12 and he understands a bit better. I'm going to tell him, hey, we did not have mobile phones or internet when we were young. Like, we, hmm. we had to sit behind a computer, dial in through the phone, and then have 20 minutes of gaming. And then we were shut off because my dad wanted to call my grandfather, and then he needed the line. And he's going to laugh, laugh at me in the face. He's like, Dad, we've had this all along. I'm going to be like, no, dude, we we never had this. So well, in 50 this, years, it's going to be... It's, this is going yeah. to be like fucking
0: old old technology soon because yeah. with um what Elon Musk is doing and um you know cyber cybernetic implementations um in your brain and stuff like that that's, that's what cool. that's what Elon that's so thinks cool. is going to happen he he thinks we're going to like cuz he said basically we are already a cyborg because we've got a, we've got we we're, we're, we are basically a cyborg we've just outsourced it to this but,
1: but eventually agree, yeah, it's probably going to be here so I agree with it, but it's cool. So, and, uh, so it, the the thing is, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I, I I don't want to push uh, myself to all agencies, but get someone like me on your team. Hire someone. Ensure that you're growing. Like, it, do new things. Trial. You know, get HubSpot. Try some ads. Try an email cadence. And if you if you can't find it out, settle uh, we just uh, we set up a call with me or anyone else. But you, you need to get going with innovating. And either it's yes. through a business model, start a community, you know, like I, see, I see a lot of uh, SaaS and sales oriented recruitment firms start communities because it really just works. So do that, start a job board, which I've also I've seen done very successfully regionally, uh, really to, to up the region and to ensure that, you know, all of the uh, company owners want to talk to you uh, in a region. It always mm. it works as well. So just innovate. Yeah, do community anything. is everything. The community is so important. And and if you have someone in, internally, uh, oftentimes when I work with recruitment firms, I either work with the owner, but the owner is very busy. So usually I work with some a, a recruiter internally that really likes automation and, and trying new things. So try and find someone within your agency that would really like to do this and give him the time in the week to just mm. trial and error, you know, work things out, try. Uh, give him budget, uh, he'll fail 10 times, but the 11th time he'll he'll get you a new line for business development. And then that's awesome.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's a really Tell good you. idea, actually finding someone who's actually interested in automation and offloading it to them. And, and then obviously they're going to run with it. So, um, yeah. so, so Cass, look, thanks so much for coming on. Um, If people want to work with you, or want to see more about your stuff or um, chat with you, how do they find you?
1: Follow me on LinkedIn, uh or give, send me a, an invite on linkedin and if you want i recently started a newsletter it's called recruit ai and it's really just uh my brand uh, revolving around anything innovative in the recruitment industry so uh, it's going to be a broad newsletter talking about email deliverability using ai uh, uh in recruitment how do how would i create an automated agency today like anything that interests me that's in the in that recruitment space uh, I'm talking about. I'm also doing A-B testing with ads to get more candidates and get more clients. And, you know, so anything that's either tactical or strategic within the innovation space in, uh, in recruitment, I'm busy with that. So give me a follow there and uh, let's innovate. Let's try. Awesome.
0: And your um, recruit? how do they sign up to your newsletter? Uh,
1: sorry, that's uh, recruitai.beehive.com. Uh, uh, but you can actually find it through my LinkedIn profile. So on my LinkedIn profile, you can. There's a link saying "Sign up to my newsletter." You can find Is it. Is that
0: the but it, the recruit AI? Because I noticed you spelled it differently. Is it R-E-C-R-T?
1: Yeah, I I uh, I tried to buy the recruit one like full pronunciation AI, but that that uh, the guy wanted a hundred thousand dollars for that. So i like, right. I hope <laughs> I hope to be buying this off of you in three years because that means I'm doing well. But for now, let's keep it the let keep it like this. <laughs>
0: Okay, cool. So it's recrt.ai for the Recruit yep. AI newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I'll put all the links in the um, in the bio description anyway. So just if you want to work with Cass, um, you'll be able to find his LinkedIn profile really easy. Sub to his newsletter to keep up to date with all the latest uh, going ons in the rec- the recruitment AI world. Cool. Thanks. Awesome. Time. Nice to meet you. for coming on.